cancer. Ralph. Charles. Paul. Larry. Robin Lynn. And I'm a Taurus. And I love listening to Vibes Live Radio. Thank you for keeping the vibes live. Don't stop it and just get ready to jam with Disco Daddy Wide World of Hip Hop Radio Show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time only on VibeLive.com with special guests every week. Don't miss it. Hello out there, Disco Daddy here, and welcome to another edition of Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip-Hop. If you've been following us, you know that we've been interviewing legends and pioneers of this now worldwide culture that we call hip-hop. People who you may not have heard of, but who are legendary nonetheless. Legendary doesn't mean famous, and famous doesn't mean legendary. Okay, we've got a mixture of both. Today we have a queen by any measure, okay, a true queen of our culture. Her name is Medusa, and she's a multifaceted, multi-talented artist and a beautiful human being. I've been blessed to participate in a couple of shows with her, and she's a fantastic performer on top of all of that. So today we're going to get into the story of a queen that you may not have heard of. She's very popular, and she is known worldwide. However, her story may not be. Today you're going to hear from Medusa herself, her story about her life and how she got into hip-hop and basically what she's doing now because she's still very active in the business and she is still performing and still out there on the grind, okay? Uh, Welcome to Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip-Hop, Medusa. Thank you, Disco Daddy. Let me let me start by saying happy birthday, loved one. Oh, thank you, thank you. You know, it's an honor to be interviewing you on my birthday. That, that's like a, a special birthday gift, okay? You know, I, I feel special. I feel like it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been, Queen? I've been blessed, you know, just moving and motivated and, uh, and agitating the maker, you know? Okay. Okay, well, today it's all about you for the next half an hour. I'd like you to start at the beginning of your life and tell the story in a condensed version on all the important things and people you want to shout out to who helped you along the way and maybe the ones you, who didn't. And, you know, there's haters out there you might want to, <laughs> we to get into any negative stuff, you know, but I'm just saying let's, uh, let's hear the story of Medusa from her. Medusa, ladies and gentlemen, on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip-Hop. You you know, I I think you always have to start when you're dealing with music uh, on what influenced you to to be involved in it in the first place. Hmm. And uh, and it wasn't just hip-hop. It was uh, my auntie. She was a singer with the Undisputed Truth. Wow. uh, You know, the following faces sometimes. Say again? Smiling faces sometimes. That was exactly, exactly. Okay. She, she was on tour. Their group was on tour with the Jackson Five. Mm. 
And I was seven years old. She came and picked me up in a limousine. I used to go to the studio with her, and she took me on this West Coast tour with her with the Jackson 5. So I was able to see, yeah. So I was able to see the behind the scenes as a seven-year-old, the musicianship, the uh, camaraderie that you have backstage. The the, Michael Jackson. Oh yeah, I met all the Jacksons. My auntie at the time was uh, was dating uh, Jermaine Jackson. Wow. And yeah, so it was just an an interesting upbringing. You know, my uncle played percussion in the group as well. Mm -hmm. So that is what pulled me into wanting to actually write music. Wow. Uh, So I have to give all praises to God putting me in a family of other musicians. And started at the top, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it it felt right. And during that time, you know, that was a time frame of music. You got Earth, Wind, and Fire. You got the Isley Brothers. You got... You know the Tina Marie's the 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 I mean you name it I mean come on the the list and goes the on town stuff is popping that, at that time yeah too that yeah. that that music raised me okay. you know so uh, coming into my teens uh, I'm I'm still looking at Soul Train and on Soul Train you see the lockers you see the poppers mm. right so hip hop for me was pop locking hmm. so. So I'm that I'm that kid in junior high school trying to lock and jump in the air and, and land on my booty, do the the pancake. What, and, year, and what year is this? It's very important. We try to keep a chronology here for future historians that you started doing this. I, I was I was actually locking in the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, you don't have to tell on yourself you don't want to. You get that's good enough. <laughs> okay. I mean, I figure if people do the math, they can do it. I'm condensing here. I don't have to okay, give numbers. I got, <laughs> I, got <you. laughs> I got you. So, uh, so it, it it went from pop locking, mm-hmm. and I mean when I say that, all through my teens. So wow. you're talking the '80s. You're, I'm ditching school. I'm I'm living in Pomona. Being Pomona, ditching my last two periods so that I can go to L.A. and uh-huh. battle Garfield High, wow. battle uh, Boogaloo Shrimp. And, and you know, I, I became a part of a crew called the Groovatrons only because they pulled up in front of my school in, a, in the Pinto Club, pulled well, a, a was I hate to interrupt you, but Boogaloo Shrimp was active back then. He, well, he hadn't done a movie yet, but was he or had he? He was active. He was in a crew itself. You know, this this okay. was huge. We used to pop lockers. Pop lockers used to meet and battle on set at the skate depot. Uh, you name it. Every everywhere we can catch each other. And you know it's bad when kids right. are ditching to catch you coming out of at school just to battle you and pop locking. I'm telling you, okay. Not, okay. not fighting. Not fighting. Not gang banging. Not, right. not 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 trying to start no mess. Just right. battle pop. <laughs> right, I got you. And there were, you know, there were uh, clubs out here called Radiotron. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Pasadena, there was Backstreet. You know, okay. a lot of uh, a lot of uh, young clubs it, it happened at a lot of skating rings. So these were our outlets when this we got like eighty three, around eighty two, eighty three, eighty one, all of that, eighty, eighty one, eighty two, and eighty three. Gotcha. Okay. So. Uh, now, you were there. I just want to interject. Radiotron was the fertile ground. Uh, I consider it probably the birthplace 
of hip-hop because it was a place that allowed people who were the young people who were into this new uh, genre. It wasn't, well, it probably by 82, 83, it had a name, hip-hop. But before that, basically, it was a place for breakers, uh, rappers, DJs, and everything to come together. And it formed the basis, the foundation of the L.A. hip-hop scene. And you were part of that. Definitely. Definite. I was I was one of those out in Westwood pop locking on the streets. I was at Venice Beach pop locking, you know. And every time a, a radiotron happened, if we can make it, we were there. If the if the sports arena was popping with Uncle Jam's army, we were there. You know that's that's how I know about the time bandits, Heckle and Jekyll. You know, we when a set of breaking happened, do you know how many pop lockers and breakers showed up? So right. did they get down with that? Do you know how many right. came from all over Los <laughs> Angeles? Every part, Pomona, San Bernardino, Pasadena, uh, uh, the Valley, and right. all of L.A. Okay. showed up for this, you okay. know, and dressed accordingly, right. you know. Right. So that being a, a, a part of what I was doing in hip-hop, of course, when uh, Rapper's Delight came out, I was like that wordplay. I have to. I have to be a part of that. Huh. You know, I'm, I'm, you, I already have tried rapping before the record came out. I mean, actually, the record sort of spurred everybody into rapping. But, but had you? There were certain, you know. Um, well, I guess no. Nobody really knew about rapping until uh, if you didn't live in New York too much about that. But, but did you use the name Medusa from the time no. you started your career? No. As as a pop locker with the Groovatrons, I was known as Lady Tick Tut. Okay. You know, usually you were named after the the best moves you had. Mm. So I was hard ticker, and mm. I had a couple tut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At what point did you pick up? Now you you hear Raptors Delight, and you decide you you can do that. Okay. Much the you same. Know, it was the same thing with me when I heard that I was a DJ already. But I said, you know what? I was doing little teeny rounds, and I can do that. And that was what sparked me, that same record. So at what point did you start, and what point did you start becoming Medusa? Well, I became Medusa. You know, there was a spurt after high school where I decided I'm going to be a hustler. Hmm. And in that in that hustle mode, and, and, you know, I won't speak on the hustle because it definitely wasn't drugs, but uh-huh. it, it was something that could really – you know, probably still get me in trouble to this day. But <laughs> it was about some paper, and we all need that at times. So hey, you feel me? My feel book. Me? So <laughs> I, I ended up, I ended up getting caught up in my hustle right. and uh, and did some jail time. Right. And uh, when I got out, I promised myself that I would never end up in that situation again. Mm-hmm. And I had to choose what my passion was, mm-hmm. and my passion was always. Music, yeah. always. Yeah. So when I got out, my cousin Coco picked me up, and yeah. we went to a studio. Yeah. And we chilled there for about two days with a friend of ours. And uh, her and I created this group called SIN, S-I-N, Strength in Numbers. Yeah. And the first song we wrote was Power of the P, Power of the Pussy. That was <laughs> And you're talking about uh, the the beginning of the beginning of the nineties. So you better believe that we were the first to huh. write a hip hop song about the power of the peace. Gotcha. 
Got you. All right. Yeah. East Coast, East Coast or West? Yes, indeed. Yes, so, indeed. all right. So we what, went. What was your partner's name again? Medusa. Coco. Coco. Was it Medusa and Coco? Medusa and Coco, indeed. Okay. And uh, it, we performed the power of the P for the first time at the Good Life Cafe. Hmm. And yeah, well, you so, got, I got to slow you there because you got to explain to our audience. I know what the Good Life was and what it meant uh-huh. with impact, but you got to go into that for a second, explain what the Good Life was, and then I'll remind you. Okay, to take up where you performed at the Good Life. But go into that and explain to how important the good life was, just like the Radiotron. This is another era. This is 10 years later. Exactly. And that's, you know, I'm going to go right into it for you. Trust and believe that. Uh, So the Good Life Cafe was the place where all of the the underground artists, all everybody that's practicing and working on their craft would come and showcase their new rhymes, Hmm. showcase new styles. in L.A.? Yes, this was in L.A. on Crenshaw and Exposition. Right. Uh, a lady by the name of B. Hall had started this this spot, and it was actually a health food location. Um, I, I, I ended up staying around the corner from it not too long after that, and uh, I used to frequent it just for my health food goods. But the, the key with the Good Life Cafe is these youngsters weren't allowed to cut. So... Mm. Yeah, so you had to be very crafty with your vocab if you were going to step up in the Good Life Cafe. They had freestyle sessions on the weekends, right? Every, every Thursday. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. Pouring out into the parking lot to where most <laughs> people couldn't even get in. And if you didn't sign the list, you weren't going to be seen on the stage. Yeah. So. So you're talking about a location that fit about 75 people, and outside there'd be 100 people. Mm. And if you didn't get to to floss and get your ego off on the stage that night, there were Mm. plenty of people standing out in that parking lot waiting to battle. Man. Man. Yeah. That was the good life in the early 90s in L.A., the Good Life Cafe. Just for a second before you go back to your performance, can you name some of the people and groups who come out of that? Definitely. Uh, You're talking about Volume 10. Uh, Supernatural, Farside, uh, Pigeon, Pigeon John. Uh, I've seen Ice Cube Cube stick his head up in there and listen. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I've seen, uh, I I seen Fat Joe uh, step on the stage up in there. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ava DuVernay was a part of a, a, a group. The female director, the black female director. Absolutely. Called uh-huh. Figures of Speech. So that's how I actually know Ava DuVernay, and that's how she created the film This Is the Life. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Pretty, okay. it, it, was, it was pretty phenomenal. Freestyle Fellowship. Uh, wow. I mean, yeah. yeah this is I, just I just wanted people to understand that this was the place to be, a very fertile, percolating, uh, creative spot for hip-hop in, in the early 90s. And in steps Medusa, <laughs> we are performing the power of the P, mm-hmm. and we, we're we really just testing it out to see if we even have something. So we got our head wraps on, we're doing our thing, mm-hmm. and we put the spot up that night, just, just killed it. Right. And from that point on, we started working with a producer that is pretty big in the underground L.A. scene named Fat Jack. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so with uh, with Fat Jack, we started creating uh, a lot of different cuts. We got signed with, um, oh, my God, what was that? What was the name of that back in the day? So was many labels. A local label or a major? No, it was, it was major. Southwest, bam, yeah. okay. there we go. Perfect. So so we were recording an album with Southwest, and a lot of things were happening in L.A. hip-hop during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working on albums. We're doing shows. We're on stages with uh, the likes of Lady of Rage, uh, mm-hmm. The Last Poets, uh, Watch Prophets. Man. Um, yeah, it, it, it was pretty heavy. I can continue, but, I you know, you. this, is, this is that you. sin movement. Right. Now we now now we now we come a little little closer to the the present, and uh, Coco, my partner, has decided to go to Atlanta, and here Medusa is by herself, and I am not going to stop doing what I do as an MC. Okay. I became I became an aggressive fitter, and uh, and was known to to you know wreck a few worlds when mm-hmm. it came when it came to battle in those freestyle cyphers. Right so. From that point on, I just started recording myself with Fat Jack and Yusef uh, Flo, a brother that was with uh, a group called The Nonce. I used to sell mixtapes, but now I'm an MC. Uh, but Yusef Flo passed away some years ago, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that point on, I just kept digging. Every mm-hmm. cipher, everything that was available for me to go to, I made sure I was there. Mm-hmm. Every battle that came my way, I made sure I did that. Mm-hmm. And it, in in poetry, I was a poet as well. People, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that. And then some people in the poetry scene only know me as a poet. Wow. So, so in that poetry scene, uh, I ran into Michelle and Degiacello, and uh, oh, the bass player, the female bass player. Indeed. I'm, I'm hip to her music. Yeah, and I, I started working with her. But more than, than anything, she had a uh, opportunity to do music for uh, the Tupac mu- uh, movie uh, Gridlock. Wow. And um, she passed on it and passed the opportunity to me. Wow. So I was able to write the music that they performed in Gridlock. Wow. And uh, so I had, you know, I was able to sit with Tandy Newton, Newton at that time, mm-hmm. uh, with Tupac. You know, I, 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 w- I was friends with Regina King as well, so I would always be on a set somewhere just to see what's going on, see what's mm-hmm. popping, doing what. You did the and, music uh, for Gridlock. You're going to make me go out here now and dig through my collection just to watch that movie again. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, producer. <laughs> producer, y'all, the fantastic stories, all real on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. Continue, my lady. So from, from that point on, I, I started getting a lot of fans, and I was always connected to that soul upbringing. Yeah. So I created a band. I believe I was the first in L.A. to have a live band with hip-hop. Okay. And I can say that in all uh, honesty and confidence. And I can back you up because I ain't never seen it. And I've never <laughs> seen it either. I've been around a long time. Okay, so yes, ma'am, you got that. Yeah. What was so, the name of the band? Medusa and Feline Science. Okay. I had three beautiful female background singers and an incredible band. Mm. And as 
as time went on, uh, people like Ahmad and Macy Gray would call me and, and, and ask me to do free shows mm-hmm. or, or ask me to get them a couple of musicians. Mm-hmm. And these are things that I would do, you know, just being a part of the collective in L.A. Right. Uh, and within that, I mean, it just allowed me access to do a lot of different shows and get some great exposure with my band. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of folks that would come out to L.A., I would be privy to open for. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've performed with the likes of KRS-One. Uh, from KRS-One to Roy Ayers, let's put it like that. Look at you know, Everything in between. <laughs> Ain't no light, um, right? <laughs> That's why you're on this show, not only because of the, 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 the amount of respect other people in the business have for you, because you have some real stories to tell. Have you ever considered writing a book about your life and experience? Absolutely. I'm actually working on a series right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to so that you can visually see my story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So just just see, just stay tuned for it. Oh, believe me. As soon as you give me the word, hey, I'm gonna be posting it everywhere because I'm I'm about backing not only my brothers and sisters in hip hop, but the sisters especially. Y'all have a hard road. You know what I'm saying? And I know how it is. I was a farmer for a brief period of my life. You know what I'm saying? And when you're out there in the sun and you're trying to make things grow. And you're mm. actually on the grind, and it's hard. So, you know, I like to help, and I like to let you know that the kings appreciate the queens. You understand? Uh, thank you. Um, and that's good to hear out of a man's voice, you know? Thank you. Continue <laughs> with your fascinating story, though, sister. You got your band together. You've been <laughs> performing with people now. We get into probably a period now where we've crossed the 2000 line and coming up into the very modern modern times and everything. Now, I've been, I know you're still out there and you're still performing yeah. still active and everything. How do yeah, people... But in, the, do, but in the 2000s, during that time, the, the, the beginning of, I uh, was performing a lot at a place called the Temple Bar. The okay. Temple Bar is in Santa Monica. And anybody uh, from Balao, uh, Michelle and Degicello, you know, really quality band acts would show up at the Temple Bar. And mm-hmm. I was a regular there once a month. Mm-hmm. I had a, uh, a woman by the name of Cheryl Dunier who used to come and see my show, and she asked me if I would be a part of a movie, an HBO film called Stranger Inside. Mm. So I uh, was also fortunate enough to act and do music for that film. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with it, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people are, and a lot of people aren't. It's a cult classic, but Stranger Inside. It's a women's prison yeah. film. Stranger Inside. Okay, let me check that out. Yeah, and it's pretty, and it's pretty powerful. Okay, it's now pretty, do you write music? I mean, write you know, note for note, or how are you control? What is your, your creative process? Not not note for note, but creative process would be I know how to convey to a musician to get what I want. There you go. Gotcha. (laughs) That's a gift. That's a gift. You know what I'm saying? Because you have to be able to hear exactly what you want to convey it. Exactly. (laughs) And you know what? I didn't realize how much of a gift that was until recently working with some major musicians. And Mm -hmm. when I left the room, they told each other, like, she conveys it like she knows exactly what she's doing, like she is a musician. 
and I'm I'm just doing my best with what I have. So that right. meant everything to me, and I look at myself as more of a professional when I work with musicians now. Beautiful. You know. Beautiful. So from, from that point, from so now I have a little acting under my belt. Mm-hmm. I also did an episode of Moesha because they knew me as a poet. I got mm-hmm. called to do this, and it was called uh, Run, Moesha, Run. So mm-hmm. her, me, myself and Moesha actually battled in their little cafe. <laughs> he is the poet, and I chased her through this whole segment, wow. <laughs> trying to re-battle her. Okay. Okay. Mm. So, uh, so after that, I, I I continued with the band and Feline Science, and I've really been blessed to do some incredible shows. Um, so so now we're we're in the now, and uh, so the 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 music that's happening now is me working with Aloe Black, facilitating me and the Dap Kings. Mm. Uh, I'm also working on a project of my own with DJ Ice because there are some heavyweight songs that we perform and I never have them for people to buy. So we're finishing up an EP right now of a set that we perform that people really dig. Um, In addition to that, I am writing a series pertaining to my life. And, uh, and, And I'm still chasing hardcore beats. I'm getting beats from Battlecat. I, I have a a few projects out there that are available. Uh, corsets and cufflinks. Where's the DJ booth? And these are things. I mean, I have a catalog. If you if you can imagine Beautiful. that, you know, a catalog. Beautiful. So when I see when I see these youngsters get on, you know, online and and you know they spitting and and you know I can I can just dig in a file and kill them. <laughs> kill them. We're going to file, you know, <laughs> nothing. And I speak that, I'm giving myself chills because I speak that with confidence. There you go. There, there are not many that can stand next to what I do. You can ask the DJ Quick. You can ask a Dr. Dre. You can ask DJ Pooh. You can ask me to be Because I second that emotion. You are bad, okay? You are multi-talented. Multifaceted lady. Now, this is the thing. I have two questions. Uh, can you say something about Project Bloat? Explain what Project Bloat is. Now, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think that uh, Project Bloat is its own entity. This mm-hmm. is L.A. Mm-hmm. If you are connected in an underground scene, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. It's like the roots of a tree. Okay. So Project Bloat was somewhat of a spinoff of Good Life, the Good Life Cafe. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, Ben Caldwell, who actually owns Chaos Network, was doing some things at the same time as the Good Life Cafe that lended, lended uh, a space for other MCs and poets. Right. But it didn't really start jumping off until after the Good Life. So that was kind of the graduation mm-hmm. of, kid, of, of youngsters that, didn't want to be curb their tongue anymore. Wanted to be grown, you know, be able to spit and, and with and cuss and you know and create their own thing. Right. So so there was Project Blow right there in Lamert Park, and mm-hmm. I lived in Lamert Park for 22 years. Wow. So so yeah. Project Blow was my spot in in the world stage. All of the Fifth Street Dicks, all of the phenomenal places yeah. over. There. 
I played chess out there just about every night. I probably seen you, didn't know you then, you know, because I had forgot all about hip hop by the nineties. But that was my my chess spot. I'm a chess player. Yes, yes. <laughs> Medusa, this has been a joy. Okay, wow. we've got a few minutes left, and Indeed. I want you to tell people how they can get to uh, download, uh, purchase your music. You know, uh, download some of your uh, uh, your creations, your artistic uh, creations, like your, your videos and stuff like that, and uh, where they can purchase your, your music on the internet, how they can get in contact with Medusa. You can always catch me at thegangstergoddess.com. That is the best tool. And, of course, you know, I'm on Instagram as Legend Medusa. Mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook as Medusa Cali Frame. Mm-hmm. But... That Gangster Goddess, you get to see a little bit of me growing up on that site. Okay. And, and, and I can't stress enough, come see me live. Buy a CD hand-to-hand. Have a conversation yeah, yeah. with me. Seeing you live is a joy. I mean, you're electric. That's the best way I can describe it because you combine everything, all the elements, the pop lock, and your writing is on hit. Everything that you write has impact. I mean, you can tell that you've been doing what you've been doing almost all your life. It comes through because you are a, a queen. Uh, if you were a man, you'd be called a master. <laughs> you thank you, my lord. Thank so, you. <laughs> that that's Medusa, okay. In a nutshell, the way from what I've seen and gotten to know you as a performer, been on stage with you, um, you're electric. You're an electric lady. Now, the hello. Yes. Oh, okay, no. Okay, we have an incoming call. I'm just going to end that. Oh, just keep talking through it? Okay. Uh, hello? You still here? I'm not, yeah, I'm still okay, here. I, 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 I would like call. to explain for okay, the women. This is what I want to say. I want to ask you, where did you get the name Medusa? I know you told me when. But what made you choose that name? Well, you know, Medusa turned a whack MC to stone. That's mm-hmm. the first. Mm-hmm. You know, my young mind, my young mind was there. And uh, and then I looked Medusa up in an old dictionary from the 1920s, and it said that it was uh, the way a jellyfish swims—that it's formless, it's free flowing. Uh-huh. It's called it's called a Medusa form. Wow! With the tentacles flowing behind it, pushing it yeah. down the water, it does flow. Wow! Okay. Wow. You know, okay. in in addition to that, you know, she was one of uh, five sisters who was a goddess and her power was to, you know, create truth, you know, with, with her spirit, her truth can stone you. It can right. freeze you, make you right. think. Look out. Okay. Medusa, we want to thank you for your time. We want to thank you for your contribution to hip-hop. You're truly a queen. You're a master performer, male or female, uh, nobody could touch you if they stood next to you on stage. Uh, I don't want to go on after Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, right, God. We love Thank you. God. We love you, and we want your uh, career to continue to blossom. And thank you for coming on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. No, thank you, Disco Daddy, for having me, just for calling and reaching out. And I want to say something to the gangster goddesses out there. You, ladies, gangster your position, but mm-hmm. keep your integrity as a queen. Look out. Look out. Medusa, you all on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. 
Peace. So wasn't it a great show? Come back next week, every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop Show. Man, it's a great one. Epic, epic. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for keeping the fly fly. Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop would like to send a big shout out to the First Lady of Hip Hop, MC Shaw Rock. Sharon Jackson, as a pioneering female, you set a standard and opened doors. We may never fully gauge the depth of your influence on hip-hop as a culture. Salute with full honors, Queen Shah Rock. I said it here, how you just don't stop it and just get ready to jam. With Disco Daddy, wide world of hip-hop radio show. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, only on VibeLive.com with special guests every week. Don't miss it. <laughs>
podcasting network, original talk shows, as well as syndicated talk shows on the network, (laughs) 24-hour music radio stations, um, uh, and just, I I can't even find the words to really explain, explain and express to the fullness what's going on over here. It's so beautiful and just words and just, you have to be, you have to experience it. You know, maybe you can tell them better than I can. <laughs> well, from my end, experiencing working with you guys, uh, with uh, including Mr. Edwin Douglas, um, has been a joy for me because basically um, a man or woman can have a vision, but to put that vision into practical application uh, as far as the things that we're doing, it takes a dedicated and talented team of people. And uh, luckily, I ran into something uh, through my friend DJ Antron, whom I'm going to thank profusely forever. <laughs> so um, basically, uh, also, Vibes Live. Uh, tell us a little bit about Vibes Live, Robin Lynn. Oh, my goodness, 24-hour radio station. We play all genres. And then uh, we, the radio station, Vibes Live, also hosts uh, uh, my talk shows, Vibes Live Red Carpet Exclusives, with host uh, comedian Edwin Douglas and myself. We've got original talk show, The Kevin and Nikki Show, Marvelous Milton Smith, how to Succeed in the Social Marketplace, The Hatchet Chronicles. Oh, and Vibes Live is also doing, do, working on projects such as um, fundraising and artist mm. management. And, and uh, uh, we're putting on events. And uh, uh, I just, man, I don't even know. I, I, I need to get back <laughs> to work. Stop asking me questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys are busy. The the uh, it it and Vibes Live is uh, uh, the baby of baby production from Robin Lynch Productions, and Robin mm. Lynch Productions is uh, an education, entertainment network, and support services, and mm. so. With that, I've been going around providing tech support uh, and and networking, and utilizing um, utilizing my network and making that available to artists and people in the industry or anyone on the internet, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we focus in on uh, building in infrastructure or whatever kind of support that they might need, anything on the net. And okay. and we specialize in helping others expand. So, okay. and we're the only ones out here that's doing it. And so it's kind of hard to say just what we do, but what, working with different ministries, different radio stations, different record labels, book authors, mm-hmm. uh, film directors, uh, songwriters, you name it. So what we do is we find we are able to see where you're lacking, and then we come in and we we'll, we will bring it to you. We'll build up the infrastructure up underneath you, and you know do the promotion, the marketing, and specializing in helping you 
your products, your services expand. Yeah, and I'm real good at it. Real good at it. Look out. <laughs> so if someone gets an idea, let's say, for a show, and they contact uh, Robin Lynn Productions, yeah. uh, what is the process that uh, do you, uh, first of all, weigh whether they have an idea that's worthy of a show, if it's worthy of putting work in on it? How does that process work? How do you decide who to back and and who to pass on? Uh, it's amazing the the opportunities that come, but how it how it would happen is someone would call me and they would have their idea and they'd say, Hey, you know, I want to do a show. Some people didn't even have that idea, such as Kevin and Nikki, and I reached out to them and said, Hey, do you want to do a show? And then what I like to do on my network is let the 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 host be involved in the conception and, uh, and, and the development. And so I'll use Kevin and Nikki for an example. After Kevin D. Benton and actress Nikki Warren, um, um, they're just very, very dynamic. And, and the two of them, they work together a lot. And so I, I, I said, hmm, I wonder if... So I approached them and said, hey, you guys would you guys like to do a show? And they said, let us think about it. And then they came back and they go, yes. And so I told them, okay, you guys think of a title. You think of what you want your show to be, what you want to do, like that. And then they came back with their, you know, with their format. You know, they said, well, we want to name it the Kevin and Nikki Show on Vibes Live. Boom. Good, because that's okay. Well, and then they said, well, we're going to interview people and we're going to have topics and like this, boom. And so, so we, how it works is we sit down, we create, develop an idea, and then we structure it into a format. Then we set a schedule for recording it, and then I edit it, and it goes from there. And speaking of the editing, so very happy to... Uh, to announce that uh, Frank Hatchett, he's a Grammy Award-winning producer and engineer. He were, uh, mm-hmm. they took the Grammy for the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill album. Well, he, uh, he is on Vibes Live, on Robin Lynn's Productions team, and he's doing the producing and engineering of all of our products that go out. So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That is huge. <laughs> that is very, very huge. <laughs> How you like so you're going that? Along, you're going along full steam. Um, creatively, yeah. I have to say that uh, we're honoring queens of hip-hop, but you, Robin Lynn Maven, are a queen, a mass oh. media maven. Uh, without you, right, without you, my show probably wouldn't even be off the ground. It wouldn't be anywhere near as popular as it's becoming, uh, Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. And I've got to say that working with you has been a joy. Okay? Wow. You're a very good creative lady. And i got to give you props. Um, this is of the month we're celebrating our queens. I'm just going to throw you right on in there with the oh, rest of them. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Wow. Okay. Thank you very much. Wow. And, um, I accept. Yes, yes, yes. All of this is because of you. So I, I'm on top of the world right now. I'm able to 
think of our ideas and not have to worry about the daily uh, technical things. And I have people that call and compliment you, actually, on the, your production and what you're doing and for standing behind um, people like myself who can basically just come up with ideas. That's, that's what I'm good for. Yeah. And um, you brought it to life for me. So I have to thank you, Robin Maiden. You really are, are special. Well, you are certainly very, very welcome. And I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to try to help you. <laughs> well, we're going to explain to the people now what we're doing. Um, Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop is uh, a show that I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, interviews with legends. Not just famous. There's a difference between being famous and being a legend. If you're a legend or pioneer, there's an implication that you've done something to deserve those particular designations. Um, you can be famous and not be legendary at all. Okay, you can be internet famous for 15 minutes and not be legendary. We interview people who have not only uh, grown up with hip-hop, but contributed to the very foundation from the beginning in one way or the other, either as an artist, a promoter, producer, DJ, MC, B-boy, B-girl, but they've been there from the beginning, and they have interesting stories to tell and a lot of information to give out. And in the future... I'm talking 50, 100 years down the road. We'll all be dust. But these interviews will live, and they'll paint a complete picture. If you listen to them in total, you get basically a complete picture of what the flavor of hip-hop was like before records, before any recordings were being made. And that's one thing we also do on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip-Hop. We let people know that there are two histories. There's a history of hip-hop before records, which began recording 78, 79, uh, and a history after, because actually recordings, once they were, uh, once they began, changed the entire game, changed the entire landscape of what was happening and percolating in New York City from the early 70s. Um, most of the male names are known, Cool uh, Herc, Coke Rock, Clark Kent, uh, the L brothers, you know, most of the uh, males uh, from the beginning, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, would know Curtis Blow. Uh, they were around before records and after, but we do know their names. Many of the sisters, many of the queens who contributed mightily to this culture have been forgotten by hip hop. They didn't get uh, survive the pre-record period and get into the recording and get some records out there. They were basically buried uh, by history. So besides the brothers who uh, did have uh, a, a, you know, a huge role to play, the ladies, the queens were there from the very beginning. Many of them didn't get their due. So we're going to rectify all of that and that's what we've been trying to do. In one month you can't um, bring everybody back to life, but you can point out uh, some sisters who are prime examples of the work that was being done before records. Uh, and again, we say New York City because basically since 
hip-hop was born there, most of the queens, most of the kings uh, who emerged during that period are from New York or New Jersey, tri-state area. Um, we will be getting into legendary figures from the West Coast also, which just lags just a few years uh, behind the uh, East Coast and our push to uh, attain some um, recognition out here and what we've done with, with the hip-hop. So uh, we want to thank, and I hope I don't leave any names out, uh, first of all, MC Sharon Sharrock, okay? She's the first female MC in hip-hop, certified, vetted, recognized. And this show, because she could not uh, be on this show, we've interviewed her in the past, but she could not do this show because we're in the Funky Four plus one more involved in a biopic, and they're going to be doing a publicity push after their project is completed. But we want her to know that she is thought of in every interview that we do, every broadcast, MC, Sarah, Jackson, uh, we love you. We want to thank you for your contributions to hip-hop, being females, the first female MC in hip-hop. And uh, many of the ladies who we're interviewing, in fact, all of them are her friends. And she's such a gracious person that uh, when we approached her with what we were doing, she said, you know, my ladies, my, my lady friends don't get the recognition. Uh, I had to step out and let them uh, get the recognition for this because we're going to be doing other things with her in the future. And I really, that, that let me know right there what a true queen is. All right, she stepped back into the shadows just so that uh, her lady friends could have an extra slot and we could try to fit them all in for September. So we've done our best. Um, we have Miss Toy, uh, West Coast hip-hop legend, uh, on the second half of this show and um, this hour. And uh, she is truly a legend. She's recorded with Ice Cube and uh, quite a few of West Coast uh, legendary uh, people. And she goes back to a time when West Coast hip-hop was just actually breaking and catching on with, through Dr. Dre, uh, N.W.A., Cube, um, the, the beginning of West Coast hip-hop. She's legendary uh, because she's a... Uh, joy to work with. Uh, she's multi-talented, and she's also on the board of my artistic directors of uh, the uh, hip-hop theater, uh, which is another project that I'm working on. And um, I'm, I'm glad to be able to showcase her and uh, her talents and her story on the show. Uh, we've also done uh, DJ Lady Love. Um, and uh, coming up, um, next week, we have MC Debbie D. Hooper, uh, along with Wanda D. And that's going to be a special one-hour show, which is going to close off uh, the month of September and the queens, the handful of queens that we assembled to honor. Uh, all of them are going to get uh, uh, suitable for framing letters of recognition uh, from Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop and Robin Lynn Productions, uh, recognizing their status as two queens of the culture. Uh, we've also done Cheryl the Pearl, uh, Gail Hall, DJ Flame, and um, uh, goodness, we've had so many coming through there. 
Cheryl, well, I don't have the list in front of me, right? <laughs> I don't have the list in front of me. But uh, and Sherry Chair, baby Sherry D, yeah, right, <laughs> Mercedes lady. Um, baby D is the first recognized female DJ in hip hop. Sharrock, Sharrock uh, is the first female MC. Baby D is the first uh, female DJ, and she had an interesting story uh, with the creation of the Mercedes ladies. All of our shows are archived, so if I'm leaving somebody out, all you got to do is click on that link that you're going to see in every post um, for the program that I make on the Michael Calfani page. And uh, you click on the link, and you can go to any of our uh, archived shows and just listen and get some knowledge, which is what this is really all about. Um, there are so many misrepresentations going on in hip-hop, people, especially in New York, uh, people like Van Silk, Cool Kyle, are trying to get the timeline straight. Uh, New York is such a big city, and before the age of the Internet, uh, when hip-hop was being laid, the foundation was being laid in the early 70s, people in the Bronx didn't really know what was going on in Brooklyn, and people in Brooklyn didn't know what was going on in Queens, and Queens didn't know what was going on in the Manhattan and the Bronx. And so they're finding out that there were things that were happening in each borough uh, almost simultaneously so that one borough can't actually take credit for uh, certain things that we've taken for granted uh, through the, the history of hip-hop. And we're also discovering that there are people who flared up in the beginning mm -hmm. like a bright star and then disappeared, but the brief time like Disco Mario, Grandmaster Flowers, the brief period that they did exist, uh, DJ uh, uh, AJ, cool DJ AJ, uh, one of the DJs for Curtis Blow, in fact, one of his partners. Um, these people had an effect on hip-hop and an influence that is still being felt. They're still talked about, their names are still brought up in every interview that I do with any of the OGs. So, Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop addresses a vacuum that has been created by time, actually, in history. On uh, the Internet now, you can find a lot of information on just about everybody except some of the early OGs of hip hop. Um, we're changing the game in that respect, uh, thanks to Robin Lynn Maven Productions and Vibes Live. Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop is rapidly becoming the show to do. And um, in October, we're going to have legends that you've never heard of. <laughs> there are legendary wow. people again. Right. Again, legend does not necessarily mean famous. Famous means that everybody knows your name. Legend means you've done something that deserves that title of legendary. Uh, we're going to kick off the month of October with Johnny Juice Rosado. Now, if you're in hip-hop, <laughs> You know who Johnny Juice Rosado is. If you're not, you will after the, our first show in October. Johnny Juice Rosado was a DJ and one of the co-producers, uh, probably what you would call an everything man, in the early creation of a group called Spectrum City, which later became Public Enemy, the most dangerous group, hip-hop group in the world. Okay? led by Mr. Chuck D, 
Johnny Juice Rosado contributed mightily to the production of their first uh, records, uh, was their DJ, and uh, for a long time, before they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, he contributed ideas in the studio. Uh, you're going to hear his fascinating story of uh, uh, coming up and watching and helping uh, Chuck D and uh, Public Enemy blow up and go all the way to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is one of the people who are behind the scenes that you never really hear of, but when you listen to uh, early Public Enemy, uh, you're listening to Johnny Juice Rosado uh, contributing to production. He's going to talk all about his story. We have other legends that you've never heard of. We have Mr. Michael Chuck coming up, who has the world's largest flyer collection. Now, in hip-hop, a flyer uh, is your stamp your certification that you existed, that you were around, that you did something in hip-hop uh, in the early days before we did have the Internet. Uh, this man has flyers, and uh, he's been offered tons of money <laughs> by people to buy his flyer collection. But, again, this is legendary, to collect flyers and have a complete, because that's the history of hip-hop right there. The flyers tell a story, at least in New York City, tri-state area, um, tell a story of the birth, some of the groups, when they appeared, uh, the timeline from different boroughs, flyers from different boroughs show what was happening in those boroughs at the same period of time. So the flyers are almost put together like a Bible, encyclopedic Bible of the history of hip-hop. Mr. Michael yeah. Check is discussing, yeah discussing why, first of all, he decided to do that and what he plans to do in the future with him. All right, what do you do with uh, the world's largest fire collection when you pass? Do you leave it to your children? Do you donate it to a museum? <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have interesting guests like that um, from hip-hop, legends that you've never heard of and stories that you've never heard. So... As we explore and as we grow, um, we hope that everyone stays with us. Um, anything that you see that says Vods Live or Robin Lynn Productions on the Internet, it'd be worth your while to stop and check it out if you're <laughs> out there, you know, because um, she does have some interesting things going on under her umbrella. So you don't want to pass up something that might be informative and entertaining. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we want to thank you. We're going to let you get on to the rest of our show, uh, Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip-Hop. I want to thank Miss Robin Lynn Maven, probably the world's greatest producer, okay, wow. for uh, hanging with me on this half an hour as we uh, explain to the people what we're going to be doing. Uh, and uh, we want to thank you people who've been following us, uh, who inboxed me countless uh, comments on how enjoyable or informative the show is. Um, the moment we let you down, we want to hear that, too. Okay? Because yeah. we want to see you. Okay? We want yeah. to stay up. We want to stay on course. And we want to constantly <laughs> entertain you. Okay? So, without any further ado, Ms. Maven, I'm going to turn it over to you so we can uh, bring out um, the lovely and talented, multi-talented Miss Toy, a true oh. thing of the culture. All right, all right. Well, 
Everyone, thank you for tuning in and listening to Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. <laughs> Miss Sharon, Shara Jackson, we love you. Hello, I'm Robin Lynn Maven, the CEO, creator, and producer of Vibes Live. We have over 2 million geographical listeners reaching 200 countries with non-stop music 24-7. Just tune in on VibesLive.com. <laughs> Hello out there, Disco Daddy here. Welcome to another edition of Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. As you know, if you've been following me in September, from September 5th all the way through the end of the month, every Saturday we're honoring the queens of our culture, the sisters, our hip hop sisters who have been there beside us from the very beginning of hip hop. So, we're going to take time. They're often overlooked, underpaid, and their contribution is minimized, but not on our show. And we're going to recognize them all through the month of September. Queens of our culture on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop this weekend. We have with us one of the West Coast queens of hip hop, Miss Toy. And if you live outside of Los Angeles, you may or may not have heard her name, but she's been around. She's been deeply involved in hip-hop most of her adult life. And she's going to tell us about her history, her life in hip-hop, and how she got involved, and what her future career plans are. Miss Toy, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Thank you for having me, Disco Daddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to be on this show. I know you're very busy. Now, I didn't even want to try to pronounce your full name because I don't like to mess up people's names. So we want, I wanted to just start with your full name and, and actually how you shortened it to Miss Toy, why it's very simple, actually. But, but, uh, and then start at the beginning of your, you know, how you were born, where you were born, and tell us how you got into hip-hop. Miss Toy. Okay. My name is pronounced Toy Keon, of course, Toy for short. Um, I was born in Chicago, Southside, Cook County Hospital. My mom said before I could talk, I was seeing Minnie Rippleton and Shaka Khan. So on wow. a journey from Chicago to Los Angeles, I grew up listening to Marvin Gaye and, you know, all type of oldies with my mom growing up in the 70s. And when I got to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. was, I was about 11 years old. So I was introduced okay. to hip-hop in, in the hood, you know, of Inglewood. And, the bottoms and the jungles and just all worldwide in Los Angeles. And my first song, while I was pretty much in middle school, I used to rap to um, Ice Cube and Yo-Yo's, you know, um, Bonnie and Clyde. What, year, what, year, what years are you talking about? What years are you talking about I'm, here, your early exposure? I'm, I'm early 90s, you know, um, with it because, you know, I'm Inglewood. I go to the schools that's in Inglewood and, you know, I go to the skating rink right. and hear all of these different tracks and stuff. And, and fortunate enough, I was able to meet, you know, um, Sir Jinx, like, before I even started in the rap game. So wow. um, my journey was 
um, just at different parties, I would go to the DJ booth and go, you know, get the mic of some, some of the guys with my friends, you know, I, I danced. I, I was in a, a rap group, hip hop group called Thick and the Girls. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the background dancers. And the, the whole time I was in the group, every last person that was in a club would come to me. Like I was the person that had the microphone. So it really made me <laughs> want to just study more on my music because I was like, Hey, I'm a leader in this. I'm introducing the fans to the person that's actually right. rapping, you know? So right. I'm <laughs> excited to be a part of hip hop because I'm growing in it. You know, I have, you know, uh, ties with Moke and Steph. They blew up and did some stuff with, um, you know, Outburst Records and Greedy Greg. And I was in the studio with them many times. And during this time, I just was, sitting back, absorbing the game, soaking up a lot of game before I even touched the microphone. So when I started okay. writing, um, the guy I dated, he had a limousine. And I showed up at school in the limousine, at the bank, at the grocery store. I was at the beach. Like, it was just nothing to me to be, you know, rolling in California's right. sun, shining, and just, you know, Hollywood. It, just everything before right. I was even Miss Toy. So he came home one day, and I was in there rapping, making up some rhymes and stuff, because I'm a natural poet. I, I love writing. You know, and so wow. I'm writing, and he said, wow, the next time somebody get in my limo, I'm going to tell them about you. And he wrote, you wow. know, he drove for a lot of celebrities, and I never was into that, so I really didn't care who he drove for. You know what I'm saying? And right, so it right, had something right. to do with me. And the next right. person that he had in his limo was Ronnie DeVoe's uncle, Brooke Payne. So that was my first manager who put me in the studio. Wow. My first studio experience was with Ronnie DeVoe. We did a song called Lifestyle, and it was the rough and sexy and it was just a dope experience for my first studio experience to be in a professional environment. But wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. Let me no, slow you down for a second. Let's let's dig into that for a minute. I mean, okay, so he gets this, <laughs> okay. he has somebody, he gets it in his cat and he's a limo and he's got some connections or his producer, whatever. But there had mm-hmm. to be an interaction. Did he come over and listen to your music or you introduced to him at the studio? I went to a meeting. really came about. I I had a meeting with Brooke Payne. I rapped in front of him, and being live was what it was all about. So I did my thing live, played him whatever music that I had on the instrumental, on the tape. And then from there, he became my manager, seriously, and I went in the studio. It was just that fast, just how I'm telling you. And um, that's how You Can Do It came about. So that's why I'm going to get to that. But before that, I just appreciated being honored by the producer and being told that my voice was dope in the beginning and, you know, my style was creative and, you know what I'm saying? So it was like I had in the beginning, very very beginning, and I still have that now. So crossing over, I ended up getting called to the studio session with um, Emmanuel Dean, who was the producer for Militia. He did Burn, Mm -hmm. the single that song. What year? What year was this? From 1997, this is when my first, this is 96, but actually 97 is when Burn Remix came out and I was a part okay. of Militia. But I had already had a meeting in 96. I already met Dr. Dre. I already met Ice Cube. We had, you know, hmm. uh, a session where Terry Carter was one of my good friends. You know, um, I had a meeting with Terry Carter, who was doing heavyweight at the time, who loved my right. music, loved my style. I was really a part of his family. You know, rest in peace, Terry Carter. And um, he hmm. gave me Cube's number. He gave me Mac Ken's number. He said, I don't know what to do with you, Toy. I'm going to have to go ahead and pass you on. You know, and so what he did was give me the numbers and let me go do my business. So I had a meeting with Ice There you go. And, um, right. And then, so we played our music. I brought Mr. Tan with me. He's the, you know, the, the, the rapper on Baby Boy with Snoop. Right. And so 
we were in the middle of doing militia at the same time we met Ice Cube. So we just went on with what was the engine, what was going. Red Ant wanted to sign us, you know, put us a mm-hmm. part of this, this group that was, you know, making a lot of noise from, you know, right. the Bay Area. Lord G is from Detroit. I'm originally from Chicago. Um, Tan is, you know, originally from New York, but we all are on the West Coast. So we, you know, formed the Coast, right? Voltron together. So we... Mm-hmm. We created a buzz, and I was the only female in this all-male group, so it really created a really good buzz for me as far as on the business side because wow. that's the part they don't okay. know about me. I'm not just a rapper. I looked at all of these okay. different situations, and I took those situations, and I built a rapport and a resume for myself as well as who was surrounding me. Now, whether they learned the lessons or not, that's on them, but I had to take a hard blow because I'm a female and I'm black in this game, so, you know, and I don't, I don't sleep around to get where I got to go. God already directed me in this path before I could speak. So we're going on this path of music, and then I get called. You know, I'm already did militia with with the guys and all of that is great and everything, and now I have a single deal with with Red Ant. I have a single deal with Red Ant. I go to to Texas, try to do some shows, you know, to promote, you know, up-and-coming projects I have. But before I leave, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm working with a manager, but it's not really working out. I'm not getting no, you know, real business going on. So when I get right. called to this special session, which I got called by K-Mac from the, the Comrade in 99 to come and do the hook for Ice Cube, you can do it. Now, I wow. come to the studio. I, well, I tell him, where are you? He said, well, we're in Hollywood. Well, come and pick me up because I wanted to pull up with him and walk in the door with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> So right, when he right, come and right. pick me up from Inglewood, you know, he come and pick me up. You know what I'm saying? He did right. exactly what needs to be done. I show up yes, with him, you know what I'm saying? Because he called me directly. Right. He's the only one in here that can make this call. So huh. I come in there, okay. you know, I see Q because I met him already. Hey, Q, what's going on? What you need me to do? And so mm-hmm. he tell me to hook and stuff. And so, you know, I go in the booth. And it's a lot of guys in there this day. And, I don't, you know, I like pressure, too, when I'm in the studio. But I'm really, like, I ignore everybody. I block everybody out. But this one comment from somebody said, do it sexy. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was, like, trying to talk to me. I started blocking them out. And then I said, Keith, what you need me to do? And so um, when I did, the, you know, the hook for him, he told me he liked my voice and stuff. So I just, after I was done, I seen the producer that was there. And he, I didn't really meet him at the time one night, but he, he looked very curious, like, what was this going to turn out to be? So two weeks later, because I told him to take me home right after I was done, because there was too many people in the studio, first of all. I don't get down. <laughs> you know, I don't have time to be meeting everybody and trying to prove nothing. Right, so I leave, you know, like a diamond in the rough. Two weeks later, he's single. <laughs> and wow. then next thing you know I'm on tour with him and then uh, the 10 year anniversary for NWA happens and then Dr. Dre invites us on the Up and Smoke tour and then mm-hmm. we're still you know where I get a record deal you know what I'm saying from being on that song right. with Universal so um, as we move forward I dropped you know um, my first album with Universal in October 20 you know 01 and September mm-hmm. 11 happened so even after my success and being able wow. to be the first uh, female rapper from the West Coast to co-executive produce my own first solo album, I had an wow. R&B budget. They spent $1.7 million on my project, and then they gave me a paid release when after September 11 happened, but still dropped my album. They invested a lot of wow. in marketing. You know, I was in all type of hair right. magazines, had right. my own potato chips, rap snacks, you know, and just learned a lot from being... 
in the business, like, okay, now what do I do next, you know? When they give me all right. of my stuff and put it in my lap, now what do I do with my own stuff if you give me my own rights back, you know? Before you so go before you go further on that, before you go further on what you did do, what is your feeling about the treatment of female, black female entertainers as when you're dealing with, uh, well, now the record industry has changed, but there's still a contractual agreement to be made to do shows. Do you feel there's a different way that you're dealt with being a black female? Of course, everybody respects your talent, and I'm going to say to your audience out there, this toy is a beautiful, physically beautiful black woman, so she could have anything anybody she wanted to, but she obviously must love her craft. So I'm going to ask you, because you do love this hip-hop uh, culture that we're into, what, what, what is the difference you, you feel between the way you're dealt with as a black female and the way male acts are dealt with? Um, at this time, you know, I feel that, you know, I'm dealt with a different way um, being in a power position now that when people don't have their ducks in a row, they don't talk to me. They don't come to me at all anymore. But before, right. you know, I knew that people would like to waste time because they want to hang out. They want to see, you know, get familiar. So now I don't let people get over familiar with me until they're ready to do business. Now, men okay. can hang out with each other, go out, go to the game, go to the club and hang right. with each other. And it'll right. take a long time to do business with each other, but they'll still do business with each other. But then if a woman right. like me, if I'm hanging out with you, then they find a reason not to do business and then things don't go right. So I just find, right. you know, um, where I you're not you. trying to be your best friend, but if we do business, I'm your best blessing. You know what I'm saying? So right. Um, right. I have to keep myself okay. a little valued and, and secure and more, you know, unaccessible. Because if I'm always available, then they think they don't have to pay me, and they don't think they, my, you know, my my information is valuable. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know that it's not right, yes. but at the same time, you have a lot of females who will go hang out with the, the producers and the artists in the studio all day, and then they don't have mm. nothing going on. Then they don't know nothing about their publishing. Then they sitting in there just excited to take pictures with people, but that's not my lane. I can't tell them huh. that that's not what's helping us. You know what I'm saying? That's right. what's hurting us. Right. Right. Now, let me ask you that, because I was about to ask you that, and you stepped on it before I could get to it. As far as a female, like you're a businesswoman. You also operate other businesses and, and things I've watched you on Facebook. And you have your shit together as far as publishing, knowing your, your rights to your music, patents and things like that. Do you also feel that there is a dirt? And what I mean that among, like what you said, there are a lot of females who just love taking the selfies and being around, and they really don't have that business end of their career together. They may be very talented, but you, you do. Do you find that also because you, when you walk into a situation nowadays, you have all of your publishing, everything all together, that you find that there is a resistance to dealing with a boss? You understand what I'm telling you? You're obviously in control of your your. Absolutely. I mean, our intellectual property is important. So, of course, if you see, you know, our great leaders being killed off because they're giving us some game that we didn't get, then obviously they want to hide and cover up things that are, you know, lucrative to us growing. And so when you can't stop someone from telling someone the absolute honest truth, this is why we can't work together. This is why I would love to work with you as a black business owner. You own yourself as a music owner, but if you don't take it as a business, then don't be mad at me because I don't want to do business with you. 
I'm on a hit wow. single that's going to pay me for the rest of my life. I would like to have there one of go. those of my own. If I'm serious about what I'm doing, I will possibly make another one of my own before my time is up. You know what I'm saying? So while I'm making all of these songs with these producers, I'm honoring those producers because they deserve to have those hits because I'm on one. Mm -hmm. I'm on several Mm -hmm. songs that are great songs. You know what I'm saying? So if I get paid off of one for the rest of my life and invest in myself from that song, I can continue to own other business. Like I'm a massage therapist, yes. I am a consultant, Mm -hmm. yes. I do have other things that I do. You know what I'm saying? To right. make money and right. income and make ends meet. Right. Okay. Now, to that end, what is, tell us about what you're doing now, Ms. Troy. You're also, I'm going to mention, you're one of the artistic directors and a performing member of my new company, Disco Daddy's Hip Hop Theater. And uh, we'll be having a meeting on that in a couple of weeks because I have the script done. Mm-hmm. And we uh, basically will all be stretching out into areas that we don't normally operate in. But besides the hip-hop theater, what else are you involved in now, and what do you feel is the future for Miss Toy? Do you want to exploit acting as far as crafts, film, television? You are based here in Hollywood. What's the future hold for you, mm-hmm. do you feel? Oh, the future is bright, always looking up in, in, in a positive direction. I'm the owner of my own label. I started in 2013 mm-hmm. along with my business partner. Um, she does all the marketing. What's the, what's the name of the label? Give us the name of the label. My label is called G.O. Entertainment, LLC. Mm-hmm. So G-O-E um, Entertainment okay. is as far as I do everything. I'm a production company. I'm also an actress. I'm a radio personality. So as far as the acting goes, mm-hmm. I am doing some scripts, and I am working on some things that's like a part of my life, like I'm doing a life story. Um, you know, of some things that, that are dear to me. And um, mm-hmm. I'm also a part of some other things that's happening, um, a Netflix series that's coming up soon. Um, I have a, a role in a movie called Callie. Um, so wow. I'm working as far as that, but I dropped two albums on my label 2014, one in January, one in December. And I've been really blessed to have so many fans and warriors streaming my music up until this point. And I just dropped, um, Roses, like one of my next singles just in December of 2016. So I'm getting a lot of great reviews. I'm getting, you know, I got, um, nominated for a song of the year for the new song that I dropped, Roses, has a sample of Curtis Mayfield. And wow. well, I'm just blessed to have phenomenal um, producers and a, a team of warriors who believe in my craft and believe in the moves that are being made, even though it's a lot of shenanigans going on with the president Always. Always. In, in position. We know that right. there's a lot of shenanigans that's overlooked right now more than yeah. they were in the past. You know, people okay. are not held accountable for their actions, so you know, it's a trend and it'll pass just like everything else and then it'll come again where people are looking for people that actually want to do good business. I don't know everything, but I know how to protect myself, you know? Okay, I know that. Now, where can people go to find this toy music and to purchase and buy some of your stuff? And give us the name of the, uh, you mentioned two albums so that they can look for them by name. Yeah, so on my, on my label, I dropped I Am a Warrior Part 1, I Am a Warrior Part 2, and I Am a Warrior Part 3 is coming soon. And that's all of my music is on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, Title, Spotify, Apple, you'll find Ms. Toy, M-S dot T-O-I, 
and you'll find my music everywhere. You know, um, I make sure that I publish my songs so that they can be available for the listeners because I know how people are. Their attention span is real short, so I have to just spew out everything that I remember and I, I learn, you know, so that we can make it clear that we are independent and we are um, based out of Los Angeles. And we're just making moves as far as just keeping uh, the music alive, whatever is going on. We're kind of like the pulse of it, regardless of how old or how young and, you know, who knows what. It's, it's fun. You should be loving music because you can make money from it. And you should motivate yeah. the people if they're trying to do something positive with their lives. Okay. Okay. This is this is uh, Miss Toy, y'all, on Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop. One of the last questions I want to ask you, what advice would you give to young, you're a queen, one of the queens of our culture, but we got some princesses out there coming up. What advice would you give to young black women? And I have to say young black women specifically because mm-hmm. even on that level, white women and black women are still treated differently, uh, you know, as far as opportunities mm-hmm. and doors that can be open. What advice would you give to young black women coming into this business? Coming into this business, you have to know self first. When you ground yourself with who you are and who you're, you know, potentially trying to become, you know, you're a leader. So once you step up and step out, the next black young woman is going to be motivated by you. So, you know, always keep a positive outlook on everything that's going on around you because it's happening for a reason. And in this business, don't take everything, you know, so serious. It's just, you know, that's how you pay your dues. But I can say, you know, I'm I'm motivated by a lot of the young women and a lot of the vets that's in the business. They continue to go. So I just want to say stay consistent with what you're doing, be persistent, and make sure you stay professional with everybody that you're dealing with in your music circle. Wow. And on that note, we're going to have to end this session. I could talk to you all day, Ms. Toy, but uh, I'm I glad know. you uh, – uh, you decided to do the show and you had the time. And we want to thank you for your contribution to hip-hop. We want you to career to blossom as beautiful as the lotus blossom, you know, for the rest thank of your you. life. And everything that you dream about, we want all your dreams to come true because personally from the time I've been getting to know you, you're not just an artist. You're inside you're a beautiful woman, okay? And I must say that, a beautiful artist. Okay. Paid the way for all of us. Thank you so much, Disco Daddy. We love you. Thank you. You're very kind. You're very kind. But uh, it's people like you, artists like yourself, who make it a joy for me to be in this business. Okay. That's what (laughs) I'm I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to working with Miss Toy. Miss Toy, y'all, you've been listening to to Disco Daddy's wide world of hip hop. Thank you, lady. We love you, Queen. Okay, peace and love. So wasn't it a great show? Come back next week, every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Disco Daddy's Wide World of Hip Hop Show. Man, it's a great one. Epic, epic. See you next week. Bye.